You're listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Here are your co-hosts, Andrew Forbes, Peter Barracchini, and Alex Hobson. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Sticks in the Six, brought to you by the fine folks at the NDL House and the Hockey Podcast Network. We are back to a threesome here on the show. Alex has returned from his Euro trip. Uh, we'll get to, to that in just a sec. Uh, we have a hopefully an exciting show ahead. Uh, we're, we're expecting a guest on today. Um, and this is kind of, boys, this is kind of the, the finale of season three, I guess, because normally we don't go through August. Normally we cut it off at the end of the end of July. Now we're into September. So I, this is kind of like our our leap into season four so i i would say next episode is going to be the the debut of season four um but uh boys before we get going here alex i think we gotta throw it to you first buddy how you doing <laughs> uh i'm doing great boys i'm uh really happy to be back i saw you guys got up to some potting while i was over in europe and i was uh i was missing out but uh i'm happy to be back here and uh obviously you know the Leafs didn't leave my mind whatsoever while I was out there I was in Switzerland the I, I was joking the country that Austin Matthews made famous uh when he signed his extension there um so I you know I I didn't take a vacation from the Leafs while I was out there as much as I wanted to but uh yeah I'm happy to be here um it was a great trip I got to knock six new countries off my bucket list five of them I actually spent time in the I I decided to throw uh Germany in there as well. Says for context, I went to Portugal, I went to Spain, France, uh, Switzerland, and then Austria. And on the train ride from Switzerland to Austria, we had a two-hour layover in Munich, so we decided to pop out of the station, have a bratwurst sausage, and a couple beers. And it was, uh, it, I, uh, you know what? I the way I see it, we left the train station, so Germany counts as well. So. <clears throat> It was, uh, yeah, it was a great trip. Uh, very happy to be back. We got uh, super sick on our one day that we had in uh, in Paris. Um, I'll get into a little more maybe another time. But we uh, basically, we got stranded in southern France on our way to Paris. Had to get a hotel room there for the night. And we did. And then the next night, we had to take a 12-hour train ride from southern France to uh uh, to Paris overnight. And when we woke up, it was our last day in France before we were supposed to leave for Switzerland. And we just had the worst fever. We had an awful cough. Our, our Airbnb was like a hospital wing. So that was, a, that was a forgettable part of the trip. Jeez. But outside of that, I can't complain. Amazing time away. Um, got to, uh, got to see a whole bunch of new places and, uh, it was definitely the trip of a lifetime. So, uh, for that, I would say it was a success, but I'm also happy to be back and doing the show. Well, it sounds like you experienced the highs and the lows of, of uh, travel around the Did world, right? So I ever, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but we're, I, I think I speak on, on behalf of Peter and myself to say that we're obviously happy to have you back, buddy. And uh, Absolutely. glad that you enjoyed yourselves and, and, and got to knock off a few countries there. But uh, Peter, how's it going out your way? Obviously no Euro trip, but uh, you know, <laughs> how's it going, buddy? Yeah, can't, can't top that. Um, as you know, last week, like kind of like Alex, like you know, he was dealing with the illness over in France. I got over whatever was ailing me. As you can see, I'm a little bit cleared up right now. Not as congested, not as stuffed up as before. I thought it was allergies, but it turns out I had a massive sinus infection. So uh, yeah, drugs are really helping me this time around. So that's a good sign. Um, Alex, I want to go back to your trip. You posted that sunburn, and I followed up on it. <laughs> How are you feeling with that? Did you at least smear some aloe vera when you got back or right away? Oh, Peter, that it, looked bad. 
It was a it was a rough time, man. Oh, I got that God. I got that sunburn. And understand, I'm gonna I'm just gonna give you a little bit of context here. I I'm not one of those guys that's I'm not trying to be a cliche and say, oh, I never burn. This never happens to me because yeah. I have burned in the past. But to put it into context, I never I have never burned that badly before. And we got to this beach in Portugal and it was our second day of the entire trip. And we, we just had like maybe a third of a bottle of shampoo. And that, I think it was just that we had a little bit, uh, one of us had a little bit of, sh- or, did I say shampoo? I meant sunblock, my bad. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> you'll, you'll figure, you'll realize why I said shampoo yeah. in a couple seconds. So we had a little bit of sunblock left um, and we didn't all, we didn't, basically we just said screw it like we will go and get some more sunblock later for now this should be enough so i took a little bit of sunblock i put a little bit on my face and a little bit on my arms because those are the two places i tend to burn the most and when i tell you i got burnt to a crisp in every single spot on my body that either wasn't covered or wasn't didn't have sunblock on and it was awful I went to we I got some aloe vera pretty quickly. We went to the store that night and got some aloe vera. So I that did help. I was smothering it multiple times a day, every single day for that uh leg of the trip. But I'll tell you, I didn't even start about a week after that. So this sunburn stuck with me for almost the entire trip. And it was it Damn. was the reason I said shampoo there by accident. Because our last night in Barcelona, I was running out of aloe vera and I'm a little worried. I'm like, okay. I need to get some more aloe vera. So we go to the store and there's a little pharmacy section and I grabbed a big bottle of this gel looking stuff that said aloe vera on it. Get back to the Airbnb and realize it's aloe vera shampoo. Oh, I didn't realize that until I rubbed it all over my body. (laughs) I just realized this is not, I'm starting to get soapy. (laughs) This is not aloe vera gel. So yeah, I, uh, I, I really, I did. I made love to aloe vera for the majority of that trip. And uh, it was it was rough, but um, I'm happy to say that upon returning, that sunburn has turned into a pretty nice tan all over there my body. Go. So there you go. Yeah, may have may have gotten some skin cancer in the process there, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did oh, I did get it. I did get a nice tan at least. It's not a fake tan; it's a real one. So I was going to say, welcome to the life of like a half ginger. Um, I, I think I throw SPF like 500 on every time and still find a way to get sunburned. Oh, yeah. So. Oh. I feel yeah, so. It's, uh, I feel for you, buddy. Man, it's like, and, and the worst is like, I always get like the the sports spray, suntan lotion stuff, and oh. every time I do, I get like a nice handprint somewhere on my body, just from like <laughs> trying to rub it in. And there's oh. like this. Well, that's the one. <laughs> that's the main myth with that with that spray sunblock. That shit because, does not work. No, hey, it doesn't work. Myth you know. busted. It, it, Come it's, on. It's it's sold so that you think that you buy it and you can spray it on your body and call it a day. No, you have to rub it in afterwards. There's no yeah. thing as just spraying and having it sink in. So oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. A, that's a myth busted right there. Very misleading product right there. Yeah. yeah. You got to talk about a little bit about the uh, the mustache too, buddy. Uh, it's something that we talked about before you headed, you went on the trip, and and you're still sporting it. I think I think it looks pretty darn good, bud. It looks sharp, dude. Yeah. I'm listen. I'm not the type to really flaunt these things and 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 milk them, but I wanted to try something different. Figure there's no better time to experiment with some different facial hair than when I'm going abroad and I only know two people and every nobody else knows who I am. So I'm like, yeah, we'll give it a shot. And when I tell you, I've received almost entirely positive feedback on this thing. 
I actually can't think of a single person who said, no, the stash doesn't look good. And you know what, man? I'm sure there were people out there who were being nice and biting their tongue. I'm sure I'm not actually getting 100% positive reviews on this thing. But I will say I'm in a bit of a honeymoon stage with this mustache. And it, it was obviously timed pretty perfectly with uh, the call-up of Davis Schneider to the Jays. So um, I've been, uh, yeah, I've been rocking the mustache throughout my entire trip. I've still got it now. And I don't think it's going anywhere. So um, that's, uh, that, that's where I'm at with this newfound love on my face, on my upper lip. There you go. There you go. Well, boys, I, uh, big milestone this weekend for the Forbes family. The little, uh, little Harlow turned one officially a one-year-old beautiful crazy 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 year we've been through here at the uh the Forbes household with everything that she's gone through but uh man exciting news that we now have two over the age of one so um other than that I added another yet another beautiful jersey to the collection I got a nice Dave Keon signed jersey um to to throw on the wall at some point so I'm looking forward to that uh, and I'm on vacation this week, boys. So it's going to be, it's going to be a fun Beautiful. time. So I might have to do like a late night edition of uh, sticks in the six quick shifts at some point with a few, few bubblies. No, absolutely. No, oh, is, <laughs> is, is it a staycation? It's a staycation. It's Love a, it. it's a enjoy the 40 degree weather out here in London yeah. and, uh, <laughs> try not to melt. Dude, yeah, that um, was that was not another, even leaving my place the next two three days. So. That was another thing about my trip that I, I mean, I don't want to come back from trip traveling across Europe and complain about a bunch of things because it makes it sound like I didn't have a good time. But I really, I had the time of my life. But I'll tell you, one of my gripes with it is we showed up to Europe in the middle of a heat wave. So mm. first couple of days there in Portugal were pretty nice. It was like you know average like 24, 25 degrees, and then from like our third day of the trip all the way until the last day it was like consistent 30 to 35 degrees. And then you factor in the humidity and it's up to 40 and it's, yeah, I, 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 I melted quite a bit while I was over there. So I, I fully understand you. If you want to stay inside and just sit in front of a fan the entire time that you're off, mm-hmm. you're probably better off that way. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But the little guys wanted to get outside. So I'm sure we're going to do, do a couple trips outside, but just put, send them into the front yard and just watch them through the window. <laughs> That's right. That's here, right. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> um anyways we got a couple things to get into uh hopefully uh like i said hopefully we've got a guest coming on uh we're looking at uh we've been talking with uh michael telquist uh former pick of the toronto maple leafs back in 2000 third round pick 70th overall um so uh just just hopefully he's he's going to be jumping on with us shortly uh, but before we do let's jump into a little bit of leaf talk uh sheldon keith re-signed to a five-year extension uh there's you know this is a little bit of a polarizing uh signing within Leafs Nation some wanted to see him go um you know some of us are are, are okay with with the extension Peter let's throw it to you first buddy what what are your thoughts on Sheldon Keefe sticking around uh long term is this a guy that uh, you know the players are getting along with uh is this a guy that's creating a good atmosphere in the room I know there's been some talk uh especially when O'Reilly left I mean there was <laughs> You know, there's a little bit of uh, a rumor mill going around that, you know, the, the culture within the room wasn't as great as it should be. What are your thoughts on Sheldon Keefe coming back on the extension? I mean, it's kind of a win-win situation for each. If Sheldon Keefe wins, then there's going to be another contract after this two years is up. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's also a good chance to still prove that you could build off of what happened this past season, which is with finally winning a playoff series. And, you know, his 
obviously every everyone's going to point to the playoff success as the main issue as to why he didn't get a long-term extension because of the fact that they still want to see what he can do. Um, but you look at what he's done in the regular season. I mean, back-to-back 50-win seasons, I believe he has like a very, very decent win win-loss ratio. I can't remember. No, I don't know the record off the top of my head right now. I could try and find that out quickly. But, um, yeah, it's, it's very deserving. And I think that this is a chance for, you know, Brad Trilliving, because apparently he's had talks with him as well. Um, you know, when the extension happened, you know, he he, he speaks highly of him. He's a top, He called him a top coach. You want to have – when you've got good people, you want to keep them. Um, so that that's a good sign that the, the new GM himself has faith in re-signing him and his record is 166 71 and 30 i mean yeah playoff record is not that great but when you have that kind of see uh success in the regular season that's something to build off of and, and because he's still very young in his coaching career to have that kind of record right now why would you want to let that go and you even think about like who else would be on the market even when we were discussing whether they should keep him or not. What other viable options are there aside from him? Not very much. And considering what he's done the past four, three, four years or four or five years since he's come in, it, it's a great opportunity for him. And it's a great opportunity for the team moving forward. Yeah. I mean, worth noting, he's tied in uh, 100th all time for coaching wins in the NHL regular season. He's also the sixth fastest coach to reach 100 wins. Um, did it in 163 games. So, um, yeah, I mean, Alex, your thoughts on, on Sheldon Keefe coming back as the head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I had my gripes with Sheldon Keefe at certain points last year, and I think every Leafs fan did. But I think the number one thing to remember is that signing an extension does not mean that he's got a massive vote of confidence from, um, from management and ownership and all that. I think that more than anything and this is just my personal theory but i think this extension was more just to ensure that there were no distractions heading into this year and to understand that you know you know obviously keith had a had a good meeting with with true living when they first met and if true living you know being the general manager right now thinks that keith is good for this team he pointed out that he sees that keith has the respect of his players which is different from just being liked by your players he's got the respect and you know, we can comment all he want about, about our, our gripes with his, you know, mismanagement of certain things or his lineup decisions or his, his matchups when he's, when they're in the playoffs, things like that. Overall, if, if the guys in that room and the people who are around him every day feel he's the right option, then they're not going to go out of their way to force him out of his role. So I saw a stat. I can't remember exactly uh, who it came from. So you'll have to forgive me there, but when you look at Ron Wilson and Randy Carlisle and then eventually Mike Babcock as well, all three of those coaches had signed extensions somewhat recently before they were fired. And that's not including Babcock. Babcock, on the other hand, though, did have multiple years left on his deal. Whereas Carlisle and Wilson, they signed extensions, and I think it was the next year for both of them they were fired. Um, Mike Babcock obviously had made it a couple extra years into his contract, which he probably should have given how much they paid him. And he was let go when the team wasn't performing. So Keith being extended by two years after this year, I really don't think that that's, that's really much of a cause for concern. I think it just means there's no distractions heading into this season. And I mean, you saw Brad Living when he was with Calgary, he had a, he had a, 
Jack, Jack Adams. Jeez, I almost said the Norris. He had a Jack Adams winning head coach in Bob Hartley and fired him the next year. He wanted to fire Daryl. Daryl Sutter had only been in Calgary for what, maybe a year or two. And then he wanted to fire Sutter. And part of the reason that he left and he stepped down from his role was because ownership wouldn't let him. And then he ended up walking anyway, so it didn't matter. But the point is, between true living and between the Leafs organization, nobody is afraid to fire a coach. So Keith being extended doesn't mean, hey, you know, we've got a guy here that we truly believe is going to be the coach to take us to the promised land within these next three years, blah, blah, blah. It really comes down to how he performs this year. And if there comes a point where the team is looking completely off and, you know, they look like they did in 2019 where they were just the, the, the he lost the room. I don't think they're going to be afraid to fire Keefe. I think it's just his extension was just a matter of making sure they had their guy locked up and no distractions, no media coverage of, Oh, are they going to fire him? Or is he on the hot seat, et cetera? This kind of puts all the distractions to bed for a little bit. So um, Peter, you already mentioned his, his win loss record. So I'm not going to go too much deeper into his stats because we know that he does have a case to be made for sticking around, whether you like it or not. But I don't think that his case to be made is going to save him from getting fired ever. I think it's just a matter of making sure there's no distractions this year. And considering that they still need to re-sign Nylander too, I think that was a big... Yeah. There's another hurdle still need to be done. So you have two out of the three major, uh, you know major things that Trilliby needed to do this off season already checked off. Yeah. So that's a big step forward for both the team, the coach management, everyone involved. Man, I think the, the one of the biggest takeaways, I mean, our biggest gripe with Sheldon Keefe was the fact that he kept playing players that maybe weren't fulfilling their yeah. roles within the lineup. So Justin Hall, Alex Kerfoot, both of those players who, who Sheldon Keefe seemed to have a hard on for are gone. That's two two players out out of the lineup that you don't need to worry about anymore. Um, that could could almost help the situation with Sheldon Keefe. Almost force his hand to to take a look at some of the other players within the organization, like a Timothy Lilligren, like uh, you know, uh, well, obviously Matthew Nyes. I mean, if if he's healthy, he's going to be playing. Um, it, it gives you that opportunity to kind of look at these guys and force them into into roles that you know, maybe might help them succeed in, in a in a more successful way. Tyler Bertuzzi coming in, uh, Max Domi coming in. So there's there's players now that, you know, Sheldon Keefe's going to have to get used to. He's not going to be able to go back to his favorite players. And for whatever reason, he saw, you know, we saw his his press conference that one, one year about, uh, you know, Steve Simmons asked about continuously playing his worst defenseman. And he he said, well, that's your opinion. And, and it, it, it was obvious that he had this, like, almost loyalty to a fault to, to Justin Hall. And with those guys gone now, it's going to create different storylines and, and maybe, maybe the, the issues won't be as, as noticeable as they once were with those guys in the lineup. So I think that's, that's a big takeaway as well. On top of what Alex was saying about, you know, extensions for coaches, unfortunately mean nothing. It's like an NFL contract. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're guaranteed a certain amount of money. doesn't mean you're sticking around for the entirety of your contract. Yeah. So that's the main thing too, is I think it's just important to remember another thing. I won't say the main thing actually, but I think one of the other important things to remember about Keefe this year is this is the first time we're seeing Sheldon Keefe, honestly, like in his time with the Maple Leafs organization where he's not going to be working under Kyle Dubas. So, I mean, the three of us have been, we've been critical of Dubas at times, but we've also, I would say while he was here, we were, we were pretty positive and pretty forgiving for him for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, that doesn't mean that, 
I'm not confident that the Leafs can do even better without Dubas. And we'll have to see how, how True Living and Keefe kind of work with each other. And we'll have to see if Keefe's ha- some of Keefe's habits change. Because who knows? Maybe some of those habits were Dubas in his ear saying, hey, do this. We want you to do this. I think that's better if we do this. So, he, like he said, he doesn't have his favorite toys from last year. We'll see. Maybe he makes some, makes some other toys that we, uh, we, we in turn start to get a little frustrated over. Maybe those toys are Sam Lafferty and David Camp. Who knows? But um, either way, I think that he's definitely worth a chance this year just to see how he does without Kyle Dubas and having a different guy at the helm. Yeah, and it's it's funny that you both brought up the fact that he doesn't have his his go to players like Kerfoot on the PK and top six, Justin Hall on the PK and top four. Coaches need to adapt and change over time, otherwise you're not going to go far. And what whether or not that's going to happen, that it should happen this time around because he's got new players at his disposal and ones that could be a little bit more competitive and have more upside than what they already had. That should be a sign uh, for key for from Trilogy to say, hey, you know what? Yeah, these guys may have been good for you, but I got players that could provide a bigger impact. Play them, do what you need to do with them so you can get the most out of them and win. And if Keith doesn't do that, then that's gonna then that is gonna create a lot more headlines because you know he ha- he's got better players at his disposal right now. He's not going to mid tier level players or like a, a fringe you know, third line or third pairing seventh defenseman in Hall or, you know, an everyday third liner in Alex Kerfa making him into a top six. That can't happen anymore. You have a top six in Bertuzzi, a player that can move up and down in Domi. Defense still up in the air, but you're starting to see a little bit more of that will and drive and succession for Timothy Lilligren. So that's going to be big to see for uh, for me with Keith to see if he can adapt with the players that he has instead of just going to the old status quo mentality and trying to do the same thing over and over again. Well, as you guys said, uh, Brad Living bet on Sheldon Keith for the foreseeable future. And as such, our listeners here at Sticks and Six can bet on sports with DraftKings Sportsbook. Can you believe we've had seven months without an NFL game? Crazy, right? Well, good thing it's that that's over. NFL is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving you a can't-miss offer for week one. This week, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just 5 bucks on any NFL game. DraftKings is hooking everyone up with game day greatness. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Check the app to see what you get. Download now and use code THPN to sign up. New customers can take home $200 in bonus bets instantly just for betting 5 bucks. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or, WW, or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text hope ny 467369 in Connecticut help is available for problem gambling call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario cdkng.co 
slash football for eligibility terms and responsibility or responsible gambling resources bonus bets expire seven days after issuance eligibility and deposit restrictions do apply well Peter, you came out with an interesting piece recently uh, looking at the possibility of Patrick Kane uniting with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, I mentioned prior to us starting the show here today that there was some rumors floating around, and, and we're all about rumors here at Sticks in the Six, but we saw some rumors floating around about the possibility that Patrick Kane could want to play with Austin Matthews. Um, you mentioned the fact that there was some discussion about Patrick Kane possibly wanting to follow Alex Debrinkat wherever he goes. Take us into this idea that maybe the Leafs could be a, a possible landing spot for for the Patrick Kane, or maybe he's not, or maybe it's not. Yeah, the way that I went with it, it just crossed my mind because he was starting to skate, and the way that he was, you know, talking about his recovery after he had uh, hip surgery because that seemed to be the big. A talking point about his downfall last season with Chicago and then you know even with the New York Rangers in the playoffs it seemed like he started to feel like his normal self and when I think of a normal Patrick Kane I'm thinking of a guy that's constantly driving the play working magic with the puck you know just dancing constantly in the offensive zone ripping it top corner on his um, strong side uh, or offside and being a top five top 10 player in this league we didn't quite see that last year but the fact that he, he was being a little bit optimistic I, I guess it kind of like crossed my mind would how would he fit in with the maple leafs at this point and considering his numbers first of all his numbers really have been on a massive decline since 2017-18 i mean i put up like a a, a list of all the top stats, you know, Corsi four goals for expected goals, scoring chances for everything saw a steady decrease over time. And it does not look good. And we all hear about like how he's not that strong defensively or away from the puck. And we saw that quite a bit last year, how he didn't seem as engaged. He seemed too timid at times. And he was essentially a no show in the playoffs for the Rangers too. And they paid that not necessarily a big price, but they they wanted him to be a big part of their run and it didn't quite happen but also like the depth of where the maple leafs are at now obviously they're still in a cap crunch but what are you going to do with nylander and martyr you're not going to demote them you're not going to shift them down you're not going to shift him them or even patrick kane to the left wing because he's brought in tyler bertuzzi you have promise in matthew nice at this point it, it just it, it, it kind of thought that I kind of thought that it is a possibility, but looking deep down at the numbers and the depth of this team right now and what they added in, they don't need more skill. They need a more competitive nature and drive. And those guys that they brought in have that or what they already had in Matthew Nice, they have that. They have the ability to go into the tough areas. Kane kind of seems to shy away from that, but you still have the skill of Matthews, Marner, and Nylander to make up for that. So that was where I was going with that piece. I mean, obviously it was kind of like middle ground, but like it just doesn't seem possible. Any other year, maybe, but at this point in time, the the Maple Leafs and Kane really don't seem like a fit, even though that they were trying to go in on him last year before they got Ryan O'Reilly. There was that little rumor and talk, but at this point, it just doesn't seem like it could happen at all. 
Alex, I'm curious, would you take a waiver on a guy like Patrick Kane knowing that, uh, you know, obviously last season we saw some inconsistencies, whether it was injury-related or, or whatnot, and then, you know, didn't have the greatest playoff run with the Rangers. Your thoughts on, on the, the possibility of a team like the Leafs signing a guy like that? Uh, you know what? If I'm going to be completely honest, and Peter, I really don't fault you for writing that article because it's it, we've reached the point where we check in on things like this. Yeah. But I think the idea of the Leafs taking a flyer on Patrick Kane is something that we probably only talk about because it's early September and we're this close to hockey being back. Yeah. <laughs> now, I, again, Peter, I, I understand. I have published. None taken. Like, yeah. I, I, I understand. Like I've written content like that before. Mm-hmm. I just think that like for, for Patrick Kane to fit in with the Leafs, he would a have to take a, the biggest discount imaginable. I don't know what he's, I don't know how I know he's probably not going to be getting a lot of term on his next deal, but He's going to be asking for more, probably more than the Leafs to be able to afford. They're pressed up against the cap right now. They'd have to make a number of trades just to fit him in. Mm-hmm. Well, I was mean, going with the route of like a one-year deal, kind of like what Vladimir Tarasenko signed, kind of yeah. that proven you know kind of thing. If, if if there was the option to sign him for one year at four or five million dollars, something like that, I mean, I can't say that I would. I can't say that I'd be upset with it, but I also don't see the Leafs being interested in making the amount of moves that they probably be required to make just to fit him in as much, excuse me, as much as a Kane Matthews Marner line or something along the lines of that looks good and is something that, you know, we would have, we would have dreamed about in years past. I don't think that's uh, something that's going to work out. I just think that uh, it's a fact there's some intrigue because he's the last remaining big name. If you want to call it that on the market and he, Ultimately, if he doesn't retire this year, he is going to sign a deal like that with a certain team, but I just don't see it being the Leafs. Yeah, I, I mean, I've like you said, it's early September. I've seen a little bit of the conversation. Uh, you know, there's there's some people talking about bringing back Phil Kessel on, on a deal like that as well. And um, I think it's just, you know, it's one of those things where you got to look at it and and just see what the, the, the real – like the reality of it is bringing a guy like that in. And, and right now, he, I just don't know how he fits in, in Toronto. Um, obviously, it'd be a, a hype move by them to, to bring in another goal scorer like that. But at the same time, like who who misses out on, on being in that lineup if you bring Patrick Kane in, I guess. And and that's where you got to look at it. And But yeah, I definitely, definitely an interesting piece, an interesting thought process behind it and, and the possibility that he could land there. There's still a lot of possibilities on where he could land. And, and New York's one of them. Buffalo's obviously one of them. And, and Peter, as you mentioned, the possibility of following Debrinkat could be another another one as well. Um, your, I do want to, before we close out here, because obviously uh, we uh, our guest won't be able to make it uh, today, so we'll have to reschedule at some point. But um, I, I want to mention to you guys, so uh, I heard this – I heard this story about a uh, junior player, and I, I won't I won't use names just until I get more of the specifics on it. Um, and, and we all talk about trading within the game and how it's part of the business and and whatnot. And I want to get your guys' opinion on this story here. So there was a junior player recently traded, and uh, my understanding is that at some point during last season, he wanted to gain more, uh, more of an opportunity, more playing time. So he did mention the possibility of leaving the team that he was on. Um, in, in doing so, the coach at the time stripped him immediately of the letter that he wore on his, on his Jersey. And 
this off season, he was getting ready to go back to his billet family and uh, called up his billet mom. And she said, he, he, he mentioned he was ready to, he was ready to come back up, bringing all his stuff up. And she said, you might want to bring some boxes with you. I got word this week that you've been traded. So billet mom finds out before the player player has no idea he's been traded. I want to get your thoughts on, on, this especially in in a a world right now where it's everything's driven by social media so the chances of a player finding out maybe before anybody else could be a little bit iffy alex what are your thoughts on how this this whole trade story went down and and my hope is to get this player on the podcast at some point to talk about this because if this in fact is the way that it happened man it's uh it's an interesting story to talk about yeah, I mean, we, we just saw the other day, and this is a bit of a different comparison because we're talking about a Major League Baseball player as opposed to a junior player who's barely making anything. But um, we saw the other day that Harrison Bader of the Yankees was placed on waivers, and he didn't find out that he was even placed on waivers until 10 minutes before the game started or something along the lines of that. And then, obviously, he gets claimed by the Cleveland... I, I want It was either the Cleveland Guardians or it was the Cincinnati Reds. All I know is that all the waived players went to Ohio. Um, but poor, Even poor from guys. the Angels. Poor guys. Anyways, um, but yeah, Harrison Bader ends up with a different team. And I remember just thinking at the time, how does it so consistent... I feel like we've been hearing more of these stories lately. How does it just constantly get so lost in communication between management and players where... Other people, like the sources, the media sources, or even in this case, like he said, the billet mom found out first. I, I just don't get why it's so hard for, for the people swinging these deals and the people who control these players' livelihoods, essentially. Why it's gotten so hard for them to just let their players know, hey, you're on your way out. We're going to be looking for a new home for you. Um, I actually, until you mentioned that, Forbes, I had not heard that story. So um, that's unfortunate. And uh, I hope that the, the player involved in this is going to be in a much better situation where he's been traded to and will maybe have some better communication from his from his general manager. But uh, yeah, that's, uh, I, I mean, I've always been of the belief that if you're going to do something like that, you got to let the player know first. Like that's like, they're the one who has to make, make these changes. And obviously like, when you're when you're making millions of dollars in the in the majors, you're you're probably a little more better off than being a kid relying on his billet mom. And all of a sudden, he doesn't have a place to stay. I mean, I I don't like I said I don't know this story, so it's hard for me to comment further. But I'm I I just I've never understood why players are not the first ones to find out when they've been traded. Yeah, Peter. Just uh, if you had any quick thoughts on on this as well, it's just a it's very yeah. unique story. You don't come across it very often, so it's just uh, one of those things that just kind of caught me off guard. Yeah, off guarding, very bizarre too. Like kind of like what Alex said. Like even at, at such a young age, these players have agents too. Like where's the line between management, the agent, and the player going back and forth with that? Like it, it it's very very bizarre. And even like hearing like. Like, listen, we, we all hear, like, especially younger players, too, in junior, they want the opportunity because they want to showcase their skill. They want to showcase who they are, and they want to catch the eye of teams, especially if he's still young, he's coming up into the draft. He wants to make his his value known of what he is as a prospect or a player. Um, But then hearing what the coach has said, you know, remo- stripping him of the letter, then finding out that, you know, he's coming back and then he's getting traded instantly. I mean, that's just, like, a very, like, a very, very bad slap in the face kind of thing. Like if you like 
the thing is, like, this is going off bad terms for, for everybody, player, coach, team, what have you. You don't want to do that because you don't want to, like, have those, like, you know, um, grudges on hand. Like, you want everything to be upfront. You want everything to be transparent. Hey, you're getting traded. Sorry about this, but we wish you the best of luck in the future. I don't know what's wrong with saying that. I don't know why you got to leave this player in the dark like that. And then, you know, going one different direction. And then again, having uh, the billet's mother find out that he, that he's getting traded or that he found out from the billet, uh, the billet mother that he's getting moved. So it's like, yeah, very odd, very bizarre. I like, it's a very big head scratcher at this point. Like, Again, again, kind of like Alex. Like we need, I need to hear. We need to hear more about the story of how it unfolded, how it transpired. But it's very, very bizarre at this point, and very, very concerning. Yeah, like I said, uh, more like like I said, I want to get more of the facts on it. Uh, it was just uh, something I came across, and um, yeah, I just uh, you know, it's it's weird because with the billet families, especially in junior hockey, right? Like that's mm-hmm. you're building relationships with these families that you're living with as well. It, you know, I, I, from my understanding, the billet mom was very affected by the, by the move as well. And there's yeah. no communication either way. So um, definitely something I hope to get a little bit more insight on uh, in communication with the, with the player. But um, yeah, I mean, aside from that, boys, I, I don't think we have much more to discuss here. Um, like I said, hopefully, uh, hopefully we can reschedule here and, and, and get, uh, get our guest on uh, in, prior to the season starting. I know we got, uh, Peter, you mentioned possibly David Alter coming on again to do a season preview with us. So hopefully we can get that worked out and uh, get some more exciting stuff for Sticks in the Six as we head into season four. But uh, anything you guys wanted to add before we we cut it off here for episode 135? Hockey's just around the corner. Like uh, I'm, I'm just super excited. Just super excited. There Simple you go. as that, right? Like, you know, after all these months of like, you know, wondering all these ifs, ands, buts kind of scenarios of like players with the team and everything like that, we actually have like a solid picture going forward right now. So with the rookie tournament happening, training camps happening, I'm just ready to get the season started. Oh, also, you know, there's all, it's also fantasy season for, you know, football, hockey, everything. So um, should be fun. Should be a fun year. Alex, sports betting is alive and well, my friend. Uh, I'm sure you'll be delving into that a little bit. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, even closer than hockey being back, football's back. Go Jags. It's going to be a rough all, year for the Pats. Talk about, talk about a league with a lot of storylines. Uh, the NFL is, in fact, back. So that'll be interesting as uh, we get underway in the next week here. Um, other than that, boys, uh, it's been it's been a great another great episode. Alex, like I said, off the top of the show, glad to have you back, my friend. Glad you made it back safely. Thank you. Um, check us all out on Twitter at Andrew G Forbes at P Barracchini and at a Hobson media. You can follow the show at any of the uh, socials down below, as well as TikTok. Make sure you check us out on YouTube at sticks in the six and uh, hit us up on uh, with that little subscribe button. It takes less than two minutes of your time, folks. Otherwise, make sure when you are looking for tickets to any concert, any sporting event over the next little while, sign up with SeatGeek using the promo code the 6 for $20 off. That's uh, S-T-I-C-K-S-I-N-T-H-E-6-I-X for $20 off your first purchase. And uh, you're giving back to the show as well. So that's always a nice thing to do for us. But until next time, folks, uh, that's episode 135 of Sticks in the Six.